This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. Thursday drive where I think it's a good time to check in on the ACC headquarters issue. Jim Phillips said two weeks ago that he expects a resolution one way or another sometime in the next month. So we're getting pretty close to a decision. And where does Greensboro stand exactly? As far as I understand it, Greensboro is the reason this process has dragged out months longer than we thought. Remember when they said, oh, this might be finished by the end of November? Or by the end of 2021? Oh, but no later than the end of March? Or by the end of April? No way it gets to league meetings in Amelia Island. And then that's where Philip said, three to four weeks from now, this should be done. Okay. I'll believe it when I see it. But assuming we get a resolution soon, the city, they've made it difficult on the ACC to relocate. And... I'm being told there's a decent chance that it actually stays. It's become clear, and this really shouldn't surprise anybody. This shouldn't be a shock, that this issue matters much more to us than it does Charlotte or Orlando or any other city that they're considering. Those are pro sports towns. Those are the types of places where people shrug their shoulders and say, why does this even matter? You're only talking about like 50 employees, and you don't even have meetings where the office is at. You go to Amelia Island, and you have your media days in Charlotte, where most of the media is at. Why does this issue even matter? It's mostly symbolic. Notice most people who say that are not in the triad. They don't get it. We get it because we understand sports is a part of culture. When you use that word, and it's a word that gets thrown around quite a bit, culture. You're talking about entertainment, pop culture, social media, what movies, music. But sports is a piece of that. And when you start trying to identify what's your culture in a city, and that question's asked in Greensboro, the ACC is one of the first things that's mentioned. Why they have that Hall of Champions there across the street from Stamey's adjacent to the, the Coliseum. It's, it's the reason why the history matters and how you were brought up and the tournament and all of that. That matters because it's part of our identity. College sports come first here. It's why the mayor flew down to Amelia Island where the meetings happened and why Greensboro's given the ACC everything they've asked for and some. Oh, your issue is the airport? Here's a private plane. You could take that anywhere you want to go. Oh, your issue is real estate? The employees there? There's not really a place where you could just pop out of the office and go to lunch? Well, okay, well, we have real estate close to downtown. That's going to be a lot cheaper than probably any place you find in Charlotte or Orlando. What else you got? Uh, 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 uh. Whatever the answer is, I'm sure Mayor Vaughn and 
Greensboro going to have an answer? Because it matters a lot more to us than it does anybody else. This was Mayor Vaughn earlier on WSJS Sports talking about the proposal Greensboro put forth. Well, you know, they had they had a number of issues. And, yes, the airplane hub was a big one. And we think that we had a creative solution by offering them um, air personal airplane service. And I think they liked that so much that it got shopped to some of the other venues as well. Um, they asked us to help on a number of issues where we came up with out-of-the-box thinking when it came to DEI and mental health issues and I don't want to be too specific in our proposal, but I know that the people of the city of Greensboro would be really proud of the package we put together. That conversation up on our podcast channel. Search The Drive with Josh Graham on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. If you're already subscribed, great. Two thumbs up to you. Make sure you rate, subscribe, review, do all those cool things. It hurts Will Dalton's feelings when there aren't a lot of comments in there or when people say mean things. So. Positive vibes only. I'm sure there are other factors that benefit Greensboro, too. Things that are breaking their way. Take the economy. I think most people understand it's probably not the greatest time in real estate to find places. Not the greatest time, I'd imagine, to uproot your office, move, build a new headquarters, and then relocate all 50 of those staff members wherever you choose to move. And likely that place is going to be a lot more expensive to live than the place you were already set up in. And that place isn't going to care as much about you being there as the place you're currently in does. Then there's politics at play here where schools don't like the symbolism of Greensboro and what it means for the ACC. I'm talking specifically about the Big East schools. But you need 10 votes out of the 15 presidents in order to move the office. And what's happening, the folks that want it out of Greensboro, who are these Big East members, also want it out of North Carolina. So they're the ones probably pushing for Orlando. While the traditional members, the founding members, there are enough of them to have at least a six-vote block are saying, well, wait a minute. Some of them are probably saying Greensboro or nothing. The others are like, well, well, Charlotte would be a nice consolation, but you can see how in either case there's enough gridlock here that you're not going to get the 10 votes. And there might come a point where Jim Phillips just says, screw both you guys. We're going to stay in Greensboro because we got bigger fish to fry here. Not to say the issue's insignificant, but it is insignificant compared to name, image, and likeness. The Constitution of the NCAA literally being rewritten, and Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner, one of the people tasked with rewriting it, generating revenue for the league, the college football playoff, you go through it. There might be a couple of boys say, all right, we spent too much money on consultants on this. We're done with this. We're just going to stay in Greensboro. And I hope that's the case. But good on Nancy Vaughn. And good on the city of Greensboro, making it difficult for the ACC to close up shop here, leave, and go somewhere else. Will Dalton, the executive producer of the show, 
the WD. Taking your calls at 336-777-1600 on Twitter at WSGS Sports if you want in on today's show. Since the reports are out there and the press release is officially out there too, I can finally talk about some exciting news we have here at WSJS. Our station, if you haven't heard yet, is going back to its roots starting June the 6th. And here's what I mean by that. Local radio wins. I'll say that again. Local radio wins. Tomorrow, I'm flying to Boston. That's where I'll be for Memorial Day weekend, but I will be live on the holiday on Monday. Make sure you're listening for that special edition of the show. But when I fly up there, I guarantee you, if I were to turn on sports talk radio up there or any type of talk radio, it's not going to be nationally syndicated stuff all day. No, it's going to be local people sounding like they are from Boston talking about Boston things. It's why this show's had so much success. No sports talk radio show before I arrived here had lasted more than two years. We are close to four. Why? I get here. I talk to folks. What do you care about? Oh, the ACC? The Panthers? Okay, well, I'm going to talk about that all the time. What a great model. And here we are, four years later, talking about the things people care about that are around us here. So in the morning, we needed some of that. And we're getting some of that with a show called Triad Today with Jeffrey Griffin. Immediately, I'm going to become the second most defined, most appealing sounding voice on the station. Jeffrey Griffin, whose voice you recognize from the Wake Forest Demon Deacon basketball, football events, and also doing PA for the Winston-Salem Dash. Local programming in the morning. And we're also going to have local programming on the weekend with the yard sale, which was a huge hit way back when, and it's going to be a big hit again when we bring that back the week of June 6th. Then there's going to be a news element. This is the part where we talk about going back to our roots. There will be news programs between Jeffrey and I. Having news on the station dates back to our earliest days in the 1930s. If you don't know, this signal, WSJS, has been on air since the spring of 1930. If you're doing math in your head, that's 92 years. And for the vast majority of them, we've had news talk on this station, right? So odds are, for the the, lar- the longest time, they, th- those folks knew something. They figured some things out. So we're going to have some elements of that now. So we have more variety in what we have with local programming in the morning and you having some news in the middle of the day and myself doing sports here in the afternoon. If you're wondering what's that going to mean for this show, nothing. This show is going to remain the same. That's my promise to you. Now, there might be some different elements that you hear, and the breaks might sound a little bit different. But this show, what we try to do, what we've done over the last four years, that's going to remain consistent. That's my promise. Sports will still be at the center of what we do at WSJS. We'll have names like Rich Eisen, which will follow me in the afternoons. Um, We'll still have ACC sports with our partnership with Duke football and basketball. 
We'll have the NFL on Sundays and Monday and Thursday night. CBS Sports, Westwood One Sports. So it's really, really exciting what we're putting together here. Our station going back to its roots, and that's starting on June the 6th. We have developed a great program for you. Unbalanced and a little out of control. (laughs) You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Baylor transfer Matthew Meyer has narrowed his list of transfer destinations to these four schools, according to Stadium's Jeff Goodman. Illinois, Memphis, Texas Tech, and yes, the University of North Carolina. Worth keeping an eye on. You want to win a national title this year with everybody back other than Brady Manick? How about you find another guy with funny hair from the Big 12 that can shoot some threes at the four spot who's actually won a national championship like Meyer did with Baylor a couple of years back. So wanted to pass that note along as we move on to Darren Vaught, who's joining us now. ACC baseball championships are in Charlotte. Wake Forest lost its first game to NC State after sweeping the pack at Doak Field last weekend in Raleigh. The pack won again last night to advance further out of this pod region, this pod setup that they have. Earlier today, Georgia Tech 9, Louisville 4, uh, Notre Dame right now 5-1 to one lead against Florida State. That's in the bottom of the seventh. And then Virginia Tech somehow has the best record in the ACC, how do we let that happen? They're facing Clemson, 7 o'clock. All these games, of course, happen against Charlotte. I mentioned the Virginia Tech piece of this. What's been the strangest part about this ACC baseball season, Darren? Uh, I mean, the, the the best surprise has to have been Virginia Tech. The strangest thing, as I'm standing here from Truist Park, is that we've got two teams locked in to semifinal play on Saturday. And they're the 11 and 10 seed. NC State and then the Pitt Panthers are both locked in to play in the semifinals. It's the first time ever two double-digit seeds have faced off in a semifinal in this tournament. And no double-digit seed has ever played in the final, which is, of course, a guarantee with those two uh, being there. So, I mean, look, this conference is loaded top to bottom. Every year, weird things happen at this tournament. Parker Messick was the conference pitcher of the year last year for Florida State. He's getting touched up a little more than ordinary against Notre Dame. So we've seen strange things all week, man. And then not to mention Tommy White last night for NC State hitting three home runs in his first four at-bats. The other one, he was intentionally walked. It was just surreal. It's uh, He's otherworldly as a freshman in this in this conference. So, uh, no, it's been a lot of fun. Virginia Tech has been certainly the surprise of college baseball, I think, across the country, come the number two team in the nation entering this weekend. And they've got, as you mentioned, Clemson a little bit later, who's been uh, down compared to where they normally are. Give me the team you feel best about without knowing a draw from the state of North Carolina, because I'm an ECU guy, and i stunned to see – 
Cliff Goblin, coach of the year, ECU winning the regular season after the way they started. And wait, wait, hold a second. I'm seeing regional projections where they might host. Yeah, I, I think the answer to your question is is East Carolina. Whoa! Um, to have to have lost their ace before the season even started, to cobble together a pitching staff the way that Cliff Godwin has, and I don't take this statement lightly because you know I think the world of Cliff, and I think he regularly does a really really good job as their coach. I think it's his best coaching job ever this season. Yeah, I mean. The guy, Ryder Giles, is a guy who plays for that team. He was their starting shortstop on opening day. Josh, he's in their rotation now, hadn't pitched since high school, but it's working, and he's doing well with it. It's crazy uh, what they've been able to rally together, and they're doing a, a great job 2-0 in the American Athletic Conference Tournament. There's a chance they host. There's a chance the North Carolina Tar Heels are the two-seed in that regional as well, so it could be a lot of fun. Darren Vaught joining us here. He's at Truist Park in Charlotte, side of the ACC Baseball Championships. Okay, you let me know if I'm just being a little finicky, I'm being weird, but I'm going to Boston this weekend. I'm going to Fenway Park for the first time, looking at weather, and the weather is perfect all throughout the week, except on Saturday, where they're expecting 40% chance of showers around like the middle of the day, but they're expecting it to be at about like 30%. By first pitch of the second game of the doubleheader, should I be even be worrying about this? Not at forty percent. I think I, I I did summer collegiate ball in Moorhead City uh, like ten years ago now at this point, and I learned then that pretty much every day of the summer you can just chalk it up to okay, forty to fifty percent. If it gets above fifty percent, I think that's when you maybe start. To worry, don't they have? You said they have a double header that day. That's too, right. right. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to game two. And you're in the later game. Yeah, I think you'll be fine. I think oh, you'll be fine. Darren, I also need to apologize to you because the last week or so has been the most happy I've been as an Orioles fan in the last probably <laughs> five or so years, at least. When you consider Armando Baycott threw out the first pitch at the game Armando. a week ago. A day after the Orioles walked it off against the Yankees, who they beat again earlier in the week before losing the finale of a three-game set. Um, They pull up Adley Rushman. He does the deal where he looks around the entire park before putting the mask on. Exceptional, right? Like from a movie. Great. Hits a triple his first game, which is a lot cooler than hitting a home run. He gets the game-winning run, walk-off style, on Sunday. And now I get to see this guy pitch. And on top of that, or get to see this guy play on Saturday, I hope. On top of that, Darren, I'm getting, I'm reading some of these comments from the, the manager, Brandon Hyde. And the Orioles have two more really, really good prospects who are pitchers in their system. He's saying that one of the two games of the doubleheader likely going to be started by someone that right now is in AAA. Yep. <laughs> They're coming, man. I'm telling you, the, the brigade is coming. Yes, Josh. sir. I don't know if it'll happen in the next two years, but this is it's going to be a good organization. You, your faith will be restored in the O's. Excited about that. Going to Fenway, you're a huge Red Sox fan, so get to experience that. I'm excited about it. I'm also really excited about this, Darren. It's time for unusual questions. <laughs> Last week, guys, everybody made it out that I got mad at Josh and I left the press conference. That's not right. 
I thought it was an unusual question, and it's okay. It's time for Unusual Questions with Josh Graham. How long until people listen to that and not know it's Roy Williams? Oh, that's a great question. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, it's got to take a while, right? I mean, there are people with North Carolina basketball interests who still would know if it was like Dean Smith's voice on things. I think we're good for the next three years at least with that (laughs) sounder. I I don't know if we'll do this segment for that long, but... Just a question to it's get things started. The, it's good to have the option. Right? Yeah, that's just a chaser. If you have your unusual question, you could send it in at WSJS Sports or call in. Nah, actually, Darren's on the phone right now, so don't call in. But you could tweet us at WSJS Sports. Sarah Bradford has a question that she wants to ask. Is Cherie Berry, or as we all call her, Cherry Berry, the most popular North Carolina politician of all time? So I, I think has to be right. I, I, I mean, I'm I don't a, know I'm others. Relative. I lived in this state. Like whom? Who? <laughs> I'm a relatively ignorant North Carolina North Carolina citizen, so like I'm not going to have as deep a pool of potential answers. But I think it's got to be Cherie Berry. Here's even the thing: he's not, he's not even in the elevators anymore. It's that Josh Dobson guy. Yeah, the nerve. <laughs> Josh Dobson used to be a Marshall wide receiver named Josh Dobson. Had a one-handed catch against ECU. YouTube it. But not the same guy. Um, I do, <laughs> if it might as well be that guy with the one-handed catch against ECU. Uh, I do, I think the answer to that question is yes. I think she is the most popular. I There was a point where I would go into elevators, and if I saw Josh Dobson's face in it, I'd get out of the elevator in protest that Cherry Berry's not in it anymore. But then it <laughs> hit me. Enough time passed where if I saw Cherry Berry's face in an elevator... I don't think I want to be in that elevator either. Yep, because that means it has not been properly inspected for, what, like two years now? I yeah. mean, that's, it's been a bit. Been a bit. That's the worst nightmare to get stuck inside one of those things. Okay, Darren Bott, what's your unusual question? All right, so I'm here at Truist Park, and uh, they, they're doing it up for this, this tournament, right? With home runs and the night games, they're doing the strobe lights. Mm. A lot of SEC schools have been doing it. Um, I know I was at a White Sox game last summer, and they did it, and it looked awesome. But something I didn't realize, they've got, you know how at the Durham Bulls Athletic Park, they've got the bull, and when a home run is hit, he smokes from his nose, from his nostrils. Right. Right? They've got the dragon, which I'm aware of, next to the scoreboard here at Truist Park, but it smokes when they hit home runs. Wow. I don't, I I think my question is going to be what is your favorite fixture that is unique to a ballpark? Mm. See, that's good. Um, And when you say fixture, define fixture. I mean, you know, anything that is part of the structure of it. Right, so like at Charlotte, they've got this. It's next, right next to the scoreboard. It's a, a dragon head, and it smokes. Um, the hit bull win stake sign smokes when a home run is hit. But there's also the caveat that if a home run goes off of it, the player who hit that home run wins the stake. Or if they hit the grass, they yeah, win yeah, the yeah. I, I don't think, I think it, it gets would have to be. I, I'm open to interpretation, but I think it would have to be a physical structure. Okay, I don't think it gets better than the bull. 
and Durham? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, the the water tower in um, Zebulon is pretty good, even though there's no like baseball like story to it. It's just you kind of know yeah. where you're at when you see that water tower. Um, that is a noteworthy fixture. Charlotte's right there downtown. You, you you described the ballpark really well, but it's just really well located in downtown or uptown Charlotte. Uh, what comes to mind for you, Will Dalton? So this one no longer exists, but do you guys remember the uh, the fish tanks that used to be at Miami Marlins Park <laughs> in the backstop? No. You don't remember? Darren, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, it was. Oh yeah, 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 yeah! I know what you're talking about oh, now. Yeah, yeah. Live there fish was tanks. Fountain in there. thing there too, but they did the live fish tanks, and they had. They, if I'm not mistaken, they still have some at the drop for the Rays, um, but they they're not immediately behind home plate. I, I might be wrong. I think they're like beyond the outfield wall somewhere. That's right. Um, I I considered too the twirly slide at what used to be Miller Park in Milwaukee. Wow. You know, their, their mascot used to come down when it, a home run was hit. Yeah. Um, he doesn't do that anymore? I don't know that he does. Um, it's not as much of a thing, right? I, I can't I can't envision a time recently in which they've done that. Um, I don't think so either. I think either. the slide's still out there. I think the slide's still out there. Will, Will that's, Dalton, that's a fun one. what's your unusual question? What is the goat of all juices? Like brand juice, not like. Mm. Really, we're talking about Capri Sun or High C here. Yeah, or if you just like regular oh, OJ. No. Yeah, neither of those is a juice, man. No, that's a juice it's brand. A, it's, yes. a juice, it's a juice-like drink. Neither of those is a juice. Yes, it's a type semantics. Of juice. Semantics, I think. Or, well, then answer the question, the smart guy. Uh, I mean, like probably Minute Maid. I don't know. I don't have a brand preference. I thought we were going to go which fruit. And I'm a I'm a strong grapefruit juice proponent. Oh, yeah. Love that, Darren. Capri Sun, that's the answer. <laughs> it is. We, we just answered two completely different questions. Uh, B-Dot just wrote into the show. B-Dot's going to be hosting tomorrow. He says uh, he's not a baseball fan, but the pirate ship in Tampa Bay has to be the best, like, in-stadium fixture. Raymond James Stadium. Yeah, 100%. That's... Yeah, B Dot's not even on the show today, and he already won the show today. Pretty good. Uh, here's one that I have. I, I shared Sarah Bradford's unusual question. I'll close out with this. Ray Liotta passed away today. He's known from Goodfellas, but he's also known as Shoeless Joe Jackson in uh, Field of Dreams. Is the have a catch scene, not do you want to play catch, but have a catch scene? the most emotional scene in a sports movie of all time? Uh, I I don't know. I get why people like Field of Dreams as much as they do. I think it was even last week when I was on. I, I mentioned that I just, I like it. It's just not way, way, way up there. But that scene, me. though. The scene is great. Another one we mentioned last week, I think might rival it rival it with Billy Bean's daughter singing the song to close out. Oh, Honey wow. No, no, no. That doesn't involve, like, hit the, the the reveal the first time when you find out that the catcher is his dad. Oh, I mean, 
I can barely. Yeah. I'm not even gonna try and talk about it. Uh, also, trying to think, didn't something sad happen in Rookie of the Year? Rookie of the Year? No, 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 no. We're not. No. All right. Well, that's more like that's more like. How about when uh, Gary Bertier gets in a car accident and uh, remember the Titans? That's emotional. Yeah, I can get behind that one. You'll hate it because it's remember the Titans. Left side, strong side. Have you seen uh, Remember the Titans? Will no, dear lord, oh my. Will. <laughs> it's it's bad. I'm well aware. <laughs> it's, it's we, we... To be to, to be a kid to be a kid like outside of although like it, this doesn't really match up with your age, Will. Like I, you're only two so years younger, younger than me. Yeah, I expect him to be so much younger so that I'm, I'm imagining a world where there isn't, like, TBS during his summers off from school. We were watching a movie last night. Movies. We were watching a movie last night, and you said throwback. on a, What was the song that oh, you said was a throwback last night? It was I'm a, I'm a B. I'm a B was a throwback. It and is. I'm like, oh that song's God. 10 years old, man. Well, that's a throwback. No, if it's that's not a long throwback. Like 20, 20 years ago, if, if they played... Where is the love? I'll accept. Oh, yeah, that's a throwback. But 10 years ago? I throwback? Mean, I was in eighth grade. Twitter existed. Seventh, maybe. I'm 26 now. I'm 28. So you tell me something that's seventh grade is not, not a, a throwback? throwback. Darren? Not a throwback. Thoughts? Well, I mean, I'm I'm not significantly older. I'm a bit older than you two. But, yeah, something from seventh grade for me is a throwback, probably. Because that's, you know, 15 years ago at least. <laughs> Darren. 20. Yeah, no, I guess 20, 20 years ago would have been seventh grade. Yeah, no, Josh pretty much accurately described what is a throwback for me, and that's when I was in seventh grade. Where's the nickelback drop when we need it? <laughs> oh, I, I bet I could find it real fast. Throwback. Throwback. It's yep. not in the computer. It's on the button bar on the other side. Should be, like, really applicable. I don't know. Darren. Does it have Tad Kroger's face on it? Probably. That should Darren, thanks for the time. Enjoy the baseball tournament. Of course. I'll see you guys later. You're on the drive with Josh Graham. Because the ride just gets wilder. And now on WSJS Sports. Will Dalton came over to my home. Broke bread, Sarah Bradford there as well. And we watched the other guys, which you haven't seen. Does the name Ray Liotta mean anything to you, Will? Was it a character in the movie? No, Ray Liotta passed away today. Oh, yeah, 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 I saw this. The The name, no, the face, knew exactly who he was immediately. From where? I don't remember. <laughs> So the name really doesn't mean the face doesn't really mean anything. I mean, to you. I've seen him in things, and it's like, man, well, him? what things have you seen him in? I don't remember. Okay, this is why we have this segment. Two talk. movies, most notable, that Ray Liotta was in. I almost said starred in. He starred in Goodfellas, which is one of the greatest movies of all time. And then he was in Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. He played Shoeless Joe Jackson. So, rest in peace, Ray Liotta. As you mentioned, the reason we have this segment at the movies is because you haven't seen any of these movies, which is abhorrent. Next week, you remember what you're doing? I do. What I liked, what I didn't like, 
quote. No, I mean, score. do you know what you're doing next week? What movie? Oh, um, A Few Good Men, right? That's right. Tom Cruise. Not Tom Cruise week. Yep. And then the week after that, Seven, A Beloved Love Story. You like rom-coms, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then Seven with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, you're going to love. I'm trying to think of a genre of movie I don't like. Yeah, if you if you don't like rom-coms, you're not going to like Seven. Yeah, I like a good rom-com. Just makes you feel really good inside. Yeah, that's what I'm about. All right, let's get to At The Movies. This week, we did The Other Guys last night. Unless you're talking about Star Wars. Obi-Wan has taught you well. Movies aren't exactly Will's thing. I don't get it. You uncultured swine! But that's about to change because Josh can't stand it anymore. This is At The Movies with Will Dalton. Okay. At The Movies, Will Dalton, The Movie, The WD, The Movie, The Other Guys, starring Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell. I didn't mention that The Rock and Samuel L. Jackson were in this movie because, spoiler alert, it didn't last long in this movie at all. Yeah, we'll get to that. What was your favorite part of The Other Guys? So, I think it was that little sequence where the grandmother comes out and is basically the messenger for Will Ferrell's character and what's the actress who plays his wife? Eva Mendez, one of the most attractive women in the world that first time first time that she gets referred to. Oh, she could be a classic B word. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's a big old broad. (laughs) And then you get Who are you? Exactly. Wait, seriously, who is it? Who, who, who is that woman? Oh, she's plain. You know, the food doesn't really taste it, taste that good, but, you know, we keep her around. Yeah, I I like that whole sequence where the grandmother goes back and forth between the two and just the things that she has to say. My One of my favorite quotes yeah. is in that, so I'm not going to spoil it just yet. We're going to unplug. Yes, this one too. All the clocks and lamps, and for three days... Uh-huh. That's, uh huh. That's that's what we're gonna do. Do, do the thing. Do do the thing. Yeah. Uh, what is the thing you didn't like? A thing you didn't like, aside from the fact that Mark Wahlberg shot Jeter. Oh yeah. Let's just start there. Hated that part. Hate hate that for the goat. It but. is an underrated lot. See, there are a lot of great lines that just get thrown in there. Yes. One of the best lines of the movie is, and it's so perfect for Yankee fans, would be. Why didn't you shoot a rod? Yes, just a casual. Was so why, good. why didn't you shoot a rod? Why they just keep calling me the Yankee Clipper? You shot Derek Jeter, biracial god. <laughs> that's what he said. All right, the redheaded fellow. That's so an ultimate. That guy. Outside of uh, Derek Jeter mm-hmm. being popped off like that, yeah. This is this is a very you'll appreciate this answer, Josh. Mace Windu's. Early and untimely death. That's what you think of first when you think of Samuel L. Jackson? Yep. Mace Windu. Yep. That's what comes to mind. Yep. Not, yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. Nope. I mean, Chappelle even did a bit about that. Nope. See, I was all excited. Not even, and... Have you seen Pulp Fiction? Come on. Come on. <laughs> uh, say what again? Okay, so, yeah, tough break. But no, I mean, not, 
I'm not asking for like specific sequences that you didn't like. I mean, were there thematic things? It's kind of strange to ask you about thematic things with a comedy. I understand. It but, is. Like, you know, you were just cool with the movie. You liked it. I really liked it. And see, that's the. And I don't know if maybe this is just a comedy movie or maybe it's just they're, they're that good, but it's hard to find something like, yeah, I didn't like that. What is your favorite line, favorite quote from the other guys? I'm going to break your hip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to break your hip. <laughs> Along with, I was so drunk, I thought a tube of toothpaste was astronaut food. Gosh, you're... You are such a child. Yeah. These are the lines that you pick out. Of course. Gosh. Not pimps don't cry. And Christineth. At age 11, I audited my parents. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I'm a peacock captain. You got to let me fly. All the TLC quotes. None of it. Those were pretty good. Do you know TLC? Yeah, no TLC. Okay, I, just I had, making sure. I had uh, No Scrubs as a pump song yesterday. You did have No Scrubs. It's funny That's right. how it worked out. Uh-huh. Now you understood why I referenced that. Yeah. Michael Keaton being in this movie is unbelievable. It, it is, and you, you kind of went inside my brain right there because I was thinking about him in that Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> Michael uh, Keaton, three or four years before you. winning the Oscar for Birdman, here he is. Working at Bed Bath and Beyond, quoting TLC and the other guys. <laughs> when he's uh, he's like briefing all the Bed Bath and Beyond workers. Yeah, and he gets to his notes and he's like, and next on the agenda, there's a serial uh, rape. Oh, uh, sorry, that's my other job. Yeah, yeah. But unless you live in that area, don't yeah. you know? Be careful. Rotten Tomatoes. How would you grade this movie? Zero to one hundred. The other guys. Good quotes, good good actors in it. Mace Windu didn't turn out so well for him, but... His name is Samuel L. Jackson. No, Put some Mace... respect on his name. Oh, I am. Mace Windu was a hell of a Jedi. Oh, my God. Uh, let's go 92%. That's really high. That's well, absurdly high. I told high. you, I don't know how to do this when I like it so much. The audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is 60%. Really? It's a dumb comedy. Well, it was you know, good. That's like you saying, like, you know what? If I had to grade this Big Mac that I just ate at McDonald's, I'd give it a 92. Oh, no, I wouldn't. It's like, There's not it like serves that. its purpose. Like, is this, like, 92 should be reserved for, wow, this should win an Oscar. This is unbelievable. Like, this is high-grade quality meat. And you're putting, like, uh... How can a Will Ferrell movie be a Big Mac? Well, I just told you how. It's dumb. It's incoherent. It doesn't make sense, but it makes, makes you... it funny. I know, but I, it, it's not It's not high grade. It's not. It's like an Adam Sandler movie. Adam Sandler movies, they're dumb. Adam Sandler movies are the McDonald's of movies, and I say that as a compliment. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, end of your week, 5 o'clock, you're just checking out. I don't want to think at all. Let's turn on 50 First Dates. And you know, that's good, Right? They serve their purpose, but that's what they are. And that's been At the Movies with the WD. I've pushed this off because I'm scared. Canes, tonight, they've got a Game 5 PNC Arena. And I... 
Let's just hope the PNC Canes show up again. I'm at the point now where I have, there's two Carolina Hurricanes. There are the PNC Arena Hurricanes, and then there are the non-PNC Arena Hurricanes. And the PNC Arena Hurricanes, they are Stanley Cup contenders. The problem is, the other team isn't. And it's why they're probably not going to be a Stanley Cup team. But the bigger question is, let's just worry about what's in front of you right now. You could still win this series against the Rangers. And, and the track record at home, it's astounding. Yes, they've won every single one of their home playoff games. You probably have known that. But it goes deeper than that. In the regular season, Carolina was the they had the fifth best record at home in the regular season across the league, Eastern and Western Conference. Their, uh, their last home loss was six weeks ago tonight, April the 14th, I think against the Detroit Red Wings. So we're getting close to like, oh, it's been over a month and a half since the Canes have lost a game at home. And then there's Rod Brindamore, who's earned a reputation for winning games like tonight just like he did last series against Boston, just like he figured it out against Nashville when he needed to, just like he figured it out against the Washington Capitals his first year as the head coach a few years back. He is 5-1 and one in clinching games as the head coach of the Hurricanes. Now, this is not a clinching game, but it's a pretty big game. If I'll go as far to say this. If the Canes, if the PNC Canes don't show up tonight, they are toast. They're toast. If you lose three straight games, including your first home game in six weeks and first of the playoffs, you really want me to believe that you're going to just bounce back from that and win your first road game of the playoffs in game six in Madison Square Garden? Really? After losing three games in a row? Nah. I don't think that's how that works. If it was an 8 o'clock puck drop, I'd probably be there tonight. 7 o'clock, not going to push it for the reasons that we learned last week where I was optimist, optimistic, thinking I could get into the building by 7.40, leaving here. Will Dalton said, no, nah, it's probably going to be around 7.50. No, nah, come on, the WD. And then uh, what happened? Yeah, I got in at 7.55. But we got in before puck drop. Yeah, I Se- knew you would do that. 7 o'clock, though? Nah. This is one of those, I'm going to... Ride down the road. Give me a Costco hot dog. Guess what I'm going to do? <laughs> right after we get off the air today. Going to just book it and probably hit the one in Greensboro. So if you see me there in line for gas and getting a Costco dog. See, I'll be over at Sam's Club across the way there. Say say what up. Nah. Yeah. Fellas, what's cracking with cracking? The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Big game for the Carolina Hurricanes tonight. So they delivered with their siren sounders. We'll tell you the three that are on the siren, including one that is completely off the wall. We'll get to that momentarily. About an hour ago, Nancy Vaughn, Greensboro mayor, joined us to talk about the ACC headquarters issue. A lot of really interesting stuff from her. If you missed that, it's on our podcast channel. Search The Drive with Josh Graham on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor to get into the more football-related matters that the ACC faces. We welcome in our friend, National College football writer Matt Fortuna, 
back on in the triad. And let's start here. So we saw the reporting from tax returns in 2021 that said that the ACC, along with the SEC, were the only leagues to post revenue increases last year after the pandemic, which might make some puzzle, but makes a lot of sense when you consider Notre Dame was a full-time member, joined in football in 2020, and made the college football playoff. What have you heard? I know you're really plugged in with Notre Dame. What kind of conversation has that created, both in South Bend and in ACC circles? Uh, Josh, if if you're asking if that means Andy is going to join the conference anytime soon in football, I'm afraid we're all sadly mistaken. I mean, they've been uh, pretty blunt with their opinions or stance, I should say, about where they belong or don't belong from a football standpoint. I mean, that that independence just means so much to them. Um, Not even necessarily from a financial standpoint as much as, hey, um, a a visibility standpoint, a, a pride standpoint, and I think as we saw, almost a year ago at this time, uh, just a flexibility standpoint. I mean, you know, we're all at ACC Media Days in Charlotte, and I think July of 2021 when news breaks that Texas and Oklahoma are are about to leave the Big 12 for the SEC. And, um, you know, until the the good old Lions came along and saved the day, it was chaos everywhere because no one knew who was going where, who was talking to who, what this meant for this league, that league, and the other. And probably the only school and program – that felt any sense of calmness and stability during that time was Notre Dame because they're like, shoot, we don't got to worry about any of this. We're not beholden to anybody but ourselves. We, we generate our own revenue for the most part. Uh, anyone will take our Olympic sports and we'll be happy to have them. And anyone would take our football if you know, some apocalyptic event happened in college sports and we had to join uh, a conference of football full time, which is essentially, I guess, is what happened in 2020 now that I think about it. Um, so I, I, I just don't see anything happening um, further in that regard as much as the ACC would like it to. What was the most interesting story to come out of ACC spring meetings a couple weeks ago? Uh, pro- probably the, the, the lack of divisions. That's probably going to be coming, the, the scheduling realignment. Um, they haven't made anything official yet, but, but several coaches and athletic directors and even Commissioner um, Jim Phillips spoke openly about the, the three Three five five model. I want to say three three five, like the defense. Three five five model, um, <laughs> in which uh, each team would uh, have three permanent opponents and rotate five in and five out um, from the conference every year. Uh, I think it just makes too much sense. I think you know once you see what the new college football playoff format looks like beyond 2026, assuming it is expanded, you want to position yourself to get as many bids as possible, and you do that by having. Uh, you know, in most cases, not every case, there are plenty of examples elsewhere, but in most cases, that's having your two best teams square off for a conference championship. I think it adds more value to your, your TV product. I think it adds more um, competitive juices w- throughout the conference. And, and just from a familiarity standpoint, I mean, if they're going to stay at eight conference games, which they are, they got to play each other more. I mean, Wake Forest and Miami have not played each other since 2013. Dave Clawson is still not faced Miami. That's what? four Miami head coaches, I think, during that span. Ugh. And they're not scheduled to play each other, not, I won't say ever again, but they're not on the books to play each other anytime soon. The schedules are set through 2024. They're not on then. They were supposed to play each other in 2020, but the pandemic wiped that one out. I mean, it's just pretty ridiculous that you have that, that you have Wake Forest in North Carolina, which is the oldest rivalry in the state, having to schedule a non-conference series so they can play each other more often. You have NC State and Duke 20, 30 miles away from each other that play once every seven years. And, and, oh, by the way, all these teams are playing Notre Dame three times apiece 
every five years. So um, there just needs to be more familiarity. I, I think at the very least, if you're a four-year player at one school, you should have the opportunity to play every school in your conference at least once, if not visit every school in your conference at least once. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to hear that everyone seems to be on the same page when it comes to, to scheduling flexibility and getting to play each other more often. It's Matt Fortuna from The Athletic on Twitter at Matt underscore Fortuna. Yeah, and on top of that, any idea about playoff positioning? You're talking about future models. Well, I think when Notre Dame and Clemson both get in and we've seen Alabama just play Georgia in a national title game, I think that's been debunked a couple of times, too, that you're better set up if you have the divisions to get multiple teams in the playoff. But I want to ask about some of the reporting you've done in the last week because these stories are great. The Athletic, where you, along with, I think, Bruce Feldman and other staffers at The Athletic, had this inside the relationship between Saban and Jimbo following that blow up last week. And then you you kind of, this was pretty creative, went into other examples of mentor-mentee beefs that, of course, relate home here to the state of North Carolina with Mike Krzyzewski and Bob Knight, most noteworthy. Um, Getting into some of the things you learned first off, what what's your favorite beef that you learned about diving deeper into it with one of your stories? And what was your favorite nugget you learned about Saban and Jimbo? <laughs> My favorite beef. Um, I'm not going to say Bob Knight, Coach K, just because that was relitigated so much throughout this past spring since it was Coach K's last season and everyone uh, had their own spin on it and there were a lot of stories that came out about it. I'll say Mike Dick and Buddy Ryan just because I live in Chicago now, but I wasn't born here and I was not alive during that time. But the idea of two guys like that essentially hating each other while on each other's staffs <laughs> and while orchestrating arguably the greatest team in football history is pretty fascinating. Um, there obviously was no love lost between those two. Um, and I just think that dynamic, it's almost like Kobe Shaq, right? But you, you just haven't seen it at the coaching level the way you did there. So, so that's probably the most fascinating to me looking back on it. As far as the, the favorite anecdote with, with Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban, um, I don't know if there, there was a favorite one so much as how enlightening it was to talk to so many people who worked with both these guys and, and talk about what the dynamic was like when they were on the same staff as far as you have Nick Saban, who's uh, a head coach with a defensive background, uh, and Jimbo Fisher, who at the time was the offense coordinator for, for LSU, and, and just kind of the, the, the tit for tat, the back and forth that would go on um, at practice, whether it's Nick scripting plays so that the defense could win or, or, or Jimbo feeling too reined in by what he's allowed to do and show every day on the practice field with uh, some of the all-stars he had on that side of the ball. Um, it, it, it's easy to see like how resentment can build up uh, during a time like that. And we've seen that, you know, in any number of examples that I wrote about or any modern examples right now with, with, with coaches working with each other or who would used to work with each other. We just had not seen two guys publicly go at each other's throats and lob the accusations as directly as these two did uh, last week. And, it, it, you know, it's great for business, right, Josh? <laughs> I'm usually not this busy come Memorial Day weekend with college football stuff, but um, it, it's been really good for business. And it's been absolutely fascinating to, to just sit back and, and watch this thing unfold because, you know, the greatest coach in, in the sports history, arguably, finds himself right in the crosshairs and is having his character completely assassinated publicly by another guy who's on the short list of coaches who have won a national championship that are active. It is certainly good for business. I'm still trying to figure out what my favorite quote is that I could try and work into everyday conversation. Ask God about his deals really high up on the list. (laughs) 
trying to think what else I could go with here. Someone else should slap Josh Graham. Or, or not Josh Graham, <laughs> David, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Matt Fortuna. Uh, great stuff as always. It's good to hear your voice, man. Hope things are going well in Chicago. And uh, I'll be a married man next time I see you in uh, ACC Media Day in July. Congratulations, my friend. Did not know that. That's awesome. Look forward to seeing you. Thanks, man. There he goes on Twitter at Matt underscore Fortuna.